1: Before you mash that fast-forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month, or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works, so if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, You can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase. Thomas Writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best, and I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. the Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me of course. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome to. Another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon. The NBA is still two months away. It's uh, it's killing me. It's August is the worst sports month, I think, of the year by far. I used to think it was July, but we have free agency and other stuff. But it's actually August. August is pretty awful. Um, but we have things to talk about because there are some interesting little nuggets going around. That Like, you know, OG Ananobi. Could he become an even better player in year two um, in Toronto? It, there's, a, there's a lot of potential there, and to talk about that, the Pacers, and Tyreek uh, replacing Lance Stevenson, and how DeMar DeRozan fits, and how uh, DeJounte Murray is suddenly the most intriguing young guy in the San Antonio Spurs, all of that and more with Scott Rafferty, who has a new position now. Scott, what's going on? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. So tell us about uh, the change in your... um. In your career a little bit. You've uh, moved on to a new, uh, a new site, writing extensively on the NBA still, but uh, what's going on there?
0: Yeah, so from now on, um, which I'm very excited about, my byline will be all in one place. Um, I've joined Perform, um, which is a company that owns Sporting News. Um, they recently came to an agreement with the uh, NBA, and um, basically we're in charge of rolling out NBA.com sites across the world, um so not the nba.com in america but right now we're working on nba.com canada um so if you're in canada and you go to nba.com that's the site you'll see um you can also go to wherever you want in the world if you just do nba.com forward slash canada um and there's plenty more to come um india soon there's already a site up in mexico and things like that um so i've I've been you know all my stuff recently has been on nba canada and uh, i'm excited to finally have uh, as much fun as it was writing for all these other places and all these other cool people um you know a dream of mine has always been to kind of make this full time and, and be able to do it all in one place so I'm, I'm super excited
1: well i'm excited for you because you've been one of the best for years now and i'm excited that i can delete some bookmarks because <laughs> i have had to bookmark you in a lot of different places and uh it, it's going to make my excel doc uh, a little bit easier to manage so i appreciate that
0: well i appreciate you thank you no it, it means a lot um I, it's a it's a tough industry, um, and I'm super grateful for everyone who's kind of helped me get to this point. Um, so it's just, you know, working from one place now, I've myself to one site. Hopefully uh, I can kind of continue the same kind of content and just just bring even more. We actually have – it's Kobe's 40th birthday on, on, on Thursday, so we've got Kobe's stuff scheduled all week long, and we actually have something up right now on how he's performed against, you know, his 40 greatest rivals.
1: Um, basically head-to-head matchups with all of them and their stats and things like that. So we're, we're doing some cool stuff over there. Who's number one? Or can we not spoil this right now?
0: We actually, we actually arranged it so it was from like, the first person he played against was Hakeem Olajuwon, I think, like first legend, um, their first matchup and then we just went uh, yearly after that for gotcha. whatever. So, so the last one, I think, is Kawhi Leonard, which mm-hmm. funny enough, um, is the only guy on the list Kobe never won a game against. He was 0-7 against Kawhi in his career. I think it was 0-7. Um, even though you know Kawhi wasn't fully Kawhi then, and Kobe was on the down the back end of his career. But that's a that's a fun little
1: little stat for You, you heard it here first. <laughs> Scott has confirmed Kawhi Leonard all-time better player than Kobe Bryant. Yep. I'm glad you finally came out and just uh, <laughs> admitted that uh, Kawhi Leonard better player all-time than uh, Kobe Bryant.
0: It's down on everyone's mind. I know that.
1: Mm -hmm. actually you know what if he didn't have this kind of year he had um i'm gonna get some kobe fans very upset but like if Kawhi leonard played like 20 years close to what he did two years ago i mean i think that's a better career than kobe bryant right like it depending on his longevity and uh how many titles he's able to accumulate but um i don't know i feel like Kawhi leonard is someone who's on that trajectory of like it's interesting to think about what his future is and this is a good segue into the toronto raptors who I think people are sleeping a little bit. They had a 59-win season last year, uh, the highest in franchise history. It's been a long time coming. They obviously had a really awkward offseason, but a necessary one because, you know, when you get swept by the Cavs again in the second round, after the kind of season you had, you kind of do need to make some sort of adjustments, excuse me, and... I I love what they did. Like I love the like I think Danny Green's become a forgotten piece of the Kawhi deal just because I do think he is someone who. Um, when you're losing a guy like Dwayne Casey and the defensive identity that they've had over the years, um, getting as many defensive minded guys around uh, quite a lessen his burden and Kyle Lowry as he gets older and um, just a bunch of other guys around them. I think it's a it's a smart play because now you have an offensive oriented coach who's going to do some more interesting stats and. Um, we're going to see more great Fred VanVleet side action. And we're going to see OG, I think, with the ball in his hands a lot more. And we're going to see Danny Green still fire up like seven threes a game. And maybe Pascal Siakam makes a leap. Um, seeing how uh Serge Ibaka struggled late last year. Maybe Pascal Siakam is their five of the future. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of intrigue in Toronto right now. But I think uh, the most intriguing is OG Ananobi, who you wrote about. Um, who I like a lot, uh, he's a corner three assassin. He is someone who guarded LeBron in the second round this year. He is someone that only fell to like the 23rd pick because he tore his ACL uh, midway through his second year at Indiana. And he's just someone I really like a lot. Like I think he's a stretch four for them. And I think if the future in Toronto is like Lowry, um, Danny Green, Kyle, uh, Ka- Kawhi Leonard, and uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam at the five. I think that's that's really intriguing. It's it's thin. It's fast. It's um, very stretchy. It's very uh, switchable, but like it's entertaining. And I love the idea of it. Right?
0: Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of question mark there. Um, to your point, you know, like Dwayne Casey going, bringing a new coach, first time head coach. Um, although you know he was on the coaching staff last year, and he got credited a lot for changing their offense. Um, well he's coached before
1: though right like overseas and he's been someone who has coached a lot in in different leagues just not in the NBA
0: he has I just you know I don't think we quite know what Nick Nurse is going to be yet um yeah which I mean he could be great he could but that's one of those things and I don't think it's going to be necessarily the easiest team to manage from day one um Kawhi's health is a huge concern obviously as is Danny Green he had a bit of a down year last year but I think like on paper if you if both those guys are healthy and Nick knows kind of the offense is where it is last season. And then he can kind of add these pieces into their defense. I mean, this is what easily um, a top three team in the, in the Eastern conference with the Sixers and the Celtics. Potentially top two, to, maybe they take over the Celtics, the 76ers spot um, in that group. Uh, unless Joel Embiid kind of becomes this MVP and everything like that. And then what you were saying about defensively, I think they match up very well with a team like the Celtics in the, in the postseason. Um, Cause you can have, all these long wings who can match up with all the long wings that the Celtics have. Um, you know, you can have someone like OG God Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard God uh, Jalen Brown. Um, you know, you got Kyle Lowry matching up with Kyrie Irving. You can mix guys around Pascal Siakam. Maybe he maybe he spends some time in Al Horford, even though Horford is bigger than him, and just kind of uses his legs to bother him. Um, so on paper, I mean, this team matches up so well um, on both ends of the court with the best teams in the NBA. Um, it's going to take. Them, I think it's going to take them some time to get, them, get to that point, provided everyone is healthy. But yeah, I mean, you, you, this is the kind of trade you make, right? Because as good as that team was last year, there was kind of a ceiling to them, um, and you just blow that ceiling off by adding a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who was an, a legitimate MVP candidate for for two years before he got injured. Um, and yeah, you you do that because this is the payoff. You know, you have a team that could legitimately contend uh, contend for a title this season.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm uh, James Hollis, and I talked about the top of the East last week in the podcast, and I'm I'm pretty bullish on Toronto, especially if Kawhi's healthy, and just um, I think their offense is going. I think if I had to put any sort of, uh, I I don't know. I think so. They won fifty nine games last year. I don't think they're going to reach that number again this year, just because of the kind of turnover that they've had, and um, just the uncertainty surrounding Kawhi and Danny Green's health and stuff like that, but. I do think they are a team that will advance past the second round. They're not getting swept in the second round with this core. So I think it's one of those where We won't really see um, the payoff to the Kawhi Danny Green trade until uh, the postseason. But I, I could see them dropping off like four to five wins in the regular season and um, just being a better, more complete, more intriguing postseason team. I think that's going to be the biggest change from the DeRozan years to the Kawhi uh, Danny Green year is that fair?
0: No, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think I mean the talk for every single every time like a, a team adds you know a big name like Kawhi Leonard, whether when the Miami he did it with LeBron and Chris Paul, or when the Celtics did it. Actually, no, no, no good example because they won the first year. Um, but, or the Thunder last year with Melo and Paul George and things like that. Like it takes teams a while to kind of find their rhythm, um, and I think just because of like the injuries that Kawhi Leonard has had, maybe he starts off a little slow next season. Um, compared to the guy we saw two years ago before he got injured against the Warriors. Um, and I think all those kind of things, they can they can contribute to them having, you know, a worse record than last season. Um, especially, I mean, the, the Raptors held the same team together for so long that, I mean, continuity matters. And every single year, they got a little bit better to the point where they won 49 games last year. Um, so I think, you know, you, you bring in a new team, a new head coach, um, maybe it's not as smooth to start with. But yeah, I mean, all this team needs to worry about is having Kawhi Leonard healthy, Kawhi Leonard Mainly, but everyone else healthy for the playoffs, um, and kind of firing all them then. Because if if they can put it all together, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it could be a terrifying
1: team. Especially Greg Monroe being added to the fold. They stole him away oh, from yeah. Boston. So I mean, the hidden gem of the NBA offseason this this year. He, uh, he he took he took
0: the playbook and he, he's given it to them so they know all of uh, Brad Stevens' Brad Stevens' tricks.
1: Um, I so hope Nurse plays that. Monroe and Valentinus together for stretches, kind of like mm-hmm. uh, Plumley and Jokic in Denver last year. I hope he does it just to mess with teams.
0: I mean, it was. I, I uh, Greg Monroe was on a radio interview the other day, and I think he he talked about. I mean, this is a guy. I I can't remember if he's made. He's had zero threes in his NBA career, or like one or two. Oh, he's shooting threes. Um, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and apparently he's. That's uh, some. That's something he might be working on this season. Um mm-hmm. I mean Valentine stressed it out a little bit last season. I think he saw about like one three a game.
1: I th- uh, I would not it- be surprised if he adds it to his game because he's apparently like a Nick Nurse favorite. And yeah. I think he's gonna see a bigger role. Like fantasy guys, I would jump on the Jonas stock because I do think the the jump like there are certain guys who I think it might hurt going from Casey to nurse, but I think someone who's gonna really benefit from this change is Valentinus. I think we're gonna see more interesting Valentinus stuff, at least offensively. Like at defense there's the problems are always going to be there. But like I think we, we're gonna see some more creativity with Jonas Valentinus uh, in Toronto this year.
0: Yeah, I mean he's, he's a really talented player offensively. That's never been a problem with him. Um and the nice thing is that you know if you if you do run more of the offense through him, um Kyle Larry and Kawhi Leonard and you know Danny Green and OG Ananobi, these are all guys that can play off ball whether it's spotting up or cutting and things like that. Um, yep. So, you know, it's not, it's not like needs the ball necessarily needs the ball in his hands to be at his best. Um, this is a guy who well, ranked at the top of the NBA um, in 2015-16 in spotter points per game. Uh, he ranked in like the 95th percentile as well in efficiency, which is absolutely insane given that volume. Um, mm-hmm. When he's at full strength, he's one of the best two-point shooters in the NBA. Um, so, you know, I, I think on paper, you look at this team, they all complement each other really well. Um, if Nick knows can kind of keep that offense from last year and, and add to it, whether it be, you know, running more things through Jonas or anything like that. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm really excited. I hope this, I hope Coilin can get back full strength and everything. Um, cause this, this team could be so much fun to watch if they, if they kind of do put it all together.
1: One of the most interesting things I think about this team this year, and I'm I'm very high on the Raptors, and I I think OG Ananobi, The more you read about him, and the more you think about how he's going to mesh with Kawhi, because I think that's the most important thing. Because those are their two wings. I think that's the most intriguing wing combination they can go with. Like I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see like that um, how those two mesh because they're actually pretty similar personality wise. If you read uh, a lot about Uh, OG it's that he's very quiet Um, coaches were not sure if he was like emotional they were like oh he had this awesome play he had this breakaway dunk or this big time three and he doesn't react he moves on to the next play he's someone who's just always ready to move on he's not a um, boisterous person which is fine Um, but I think Kawhi is the same way and I wonder if they're going to click in that regard because um, Rudy Gay uh, is now with DeMar DeRozan in San Antonio and during their 11th month uh, stent together in Toronto they bonded a lot and I wonder if part of it is just like he he talked about it it's like it just clicked for for some people it's just like oh I understand you and I understand like how you are and I wonder if that is something that's going to benefit uh um, OG and Anobi just having someone like Kawhi around because those two are I'm not saying they're um, exactly like but I do think there are similarities to his, their games and like in summer league this year um, you could tell the Raptors wanted OG to be more comfortable bringing the ball up I, they wanted him to be a playmaker and I wonder if we're going to see um, your turn my turn with OG and Kawhi bringing the ball up especially when um, Fred Van Vliet's in the game where he doesn't have to play On the ball, and he can just run, run around, do Fred Van Fleet stuff off screens and that kind of stuff on the weak side. And I wonder if that's what we see. And I wonder if, like Kawhi, kind of takes him under his wing, and we see some um, a new friendship blossom between Kawhi and OG, just because they're two kindred spirits that um, seem to have a lot in common, just in their demeanor, their personality, the way they play, um, just how competitive they are, um, just everything about those two. I think it's an underrated aspect of bringing Kawhi and like the big thing uh with the San Antonio deal was that they didn't have to include OG they included Jakob Pertl instead and I think that's a huge win for Masai and Toronto because I do think those two together um it might bring the most out of OG and Anobi just because he gets to play with um arguably the second or third best wing in basketball when healthy and uh, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of similar to Ingram with LeBron where it's like, maybe this will elevate him being able to play with somebody that great and teach them how to be great. And I wonder if Kawhi does the same with OG. So um, my OG stock is very high, not uh, higher than Jonas Valanciunas for sure. But um, I, what do you make of all that? You've like, you've studied a lot of his tape and a lot of his work. Um, what do you think about the Kawhi OG and Obi partnership?
0: Well, I think um, it's funny because he was actually OG was compared to Kawhi quite, quite a lot in college, um, just because physically they they're, they're very similar players. They have similar, like seven foot three wingspans or something like that. They're both like six yep. eight, um, same kind of body, um, defensive minded guys.
1: Um, but but the they thing can shoot. OG, like OG shot yeah. like forty five percent from three in the playoffs this past year.
0: Yeah, he he did. And and the thing that's so intriguing about OG and Obi is that he has all these physical tools, but he's also he's also just I mean, he's like a ball of clay. He's so, he, he, there's so many different ways, I think, his NBA career can go. Um, I think last season, based on what he did last season, um, it kind of looked like he was going into the 3-and-D um, role, which kind of suited him perfectly next to Larry DeRozan because he didn't need the ball in his hands. He proved to be a better shooter than everyone expected, um, and he's already a very good defender. Um, so I think that's kind of like his baseline. Oji Ananobi, uh, if nothing else, in his NBA career will probably be a guy who can knock down threes at a decent rate. Um, and walk up the best team's opposing wing, which is a super valuable plan, no matter which way you put it. Um, but going back to him being so raw, there's so many different ways you can go on top of that. So one of the things that I wrote this uh, last week about him is that I think the next step for him specifically is being able to kind of clo- take guys off the dribble, off the closeout, um, and and make decisions, you know, plays for him for for others when defense collapsed. Um It's something he really struggled with last season. Um, maybe part of that is him coming off the ACL tear in college and not being as confident jumping off his leg or not strong and things like that. Um, but I think that's an excess for him. And I think, you know, you look at a guy like Kawhi, the tra- trajectory his, his career has been on and how much he's improved. Um, I think a guy like that in the same locker room and being able to learn from him will make a huge difference, um, you know, provided Kawhi is, we don't know too much about him personality wise and everything like that, and whether or not he will be a mentor to someone like a, a Jan and Obi. Um But I mean, I think in theory, there's, you know, nothing bad can come of it because. OG gets to uh, learn from a guy every single day who, at his very, very best-case scenario, which is probably like a 5% chance of happening, he gets as good as Kawhi is. Um, you know, if he can pick up a few more things and, and accelerate his growth, that's um, going to be huge for the Raptors because, you know, every team in the league wants a guy who can hit threes and match up with three or four positions. Um, so that, that alone makes him viable, and anything after that makes him, you know, even more viable.
1: Do you see all stars in his future? Because I do. I think he's going to be a multi-time all star.
0: Um, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think he's going. I I don't quite see it yet. Um, I think, okay. maybe my perspective will change on that um, depending on what kind of jump he. You know, assuming he makes the jump this season, um, maybe that changes in six months time based on what he shows me. Um, I just think he's still very, very raw um so i am a little bit hesitant to say that i think think he's going to be an all-star um but by that by by saying that that's not a negative or anything like that like again he's going to be a super valuable player he was valuable last year as a rookie he was a legitimate valuable piece on the number one team in the eastern conference uh, both in the regular season and the playoffs and there's very few rookies who can do that um so that sets him up so well to be you know a difference maker for the year to come um i'm just you know i'm not i don't think i'm quite on that page yet
1: okay I think, it's, he's gonna, I think you're going to see the assist totals uh, rise for him this year. I think he's going to get more opportunities to playmake um, with dermar gone. I, I do feel like they're going to take it very slow with Kawhi. So if that's the case, then I think OG will be asked to do a lot, especially with Danny Green's health and uh, Kawhi, uh, Kyle Lowry getting up there in age and that kind of thing. I wonder um, – I don't know. I could just see like 15-5-7 or something for him this year. And I, I just wonder if he's like someone who is going to just – fill up the the box score with a lot of different stuff for years and years to come and just i don't know he's like the perfect role player i guess maybe like he's a star role player is what i would say his trajectory is
0: yeah the funny thing is i mean his, his usage rate um was minuscule last season because he basically he basically was just spotting up on the three-point line on offense um and doing not much myself not much
1: it was amazing i remember watching a charlotte game uh i think it was like december and he just found ways he was super smart like he had really good ball fakes and uh he's he can get his shot off really quickly it's a very quick shot so even though he's um not a big time shooter he is someone who is comfortable in his shot and it's a smooth stroke and that kind of thing but um he's only in the corners it's he is not taking many threes off the dribble he is a guy who's like okay i know how to come off the screen in the corner and uh i'm gonna shoot it and um I, I think that's a good starting point, though, right? Like, it, it does seem to indicate that there is potential that he could expand um, his three point shot to more off the dribble stuff, more um, when he's bringing the ball up, kind of like the Puget threes, like Victor Old Depot loves to do. Like, obviously, not to that extent, but uh, I do think that there is room for him to grow um, in that capacity.
0: No, for sure. But um, I think, you know, that's probably why I'm a little bit hesitant to call, like, say he's going to be an all star one day. Um, according to NBA.com, he took seven pull-up, two point pull ups last season. Um, missed mm. every single one of them, and he took 10, <laughs> 10 pull-up th- pull threes and made five of them. Um, mm. So combined, that was 5.3% of his shot attempts on the season. Um, yep. So, you know, I, I think, you know, yeah, there's certainly a possibility that he adds that to a game, um, but I'm more along the lines of, you know, if next season, you know, he he, he does take some more pull-up attempts off the dribble from two-point range, um, off closeout, because that's one of the things that Kawhi Leonard does so well. Um, Kawhi Leonard can shoot threes really well, He's not great, at least in his, his last really good season. Um, he he didn't shoot off the dribble threes that well, um, but he's a guy who's six foot eight, seven foot two wingspan. When he gets into the mid range, he can just pull up over guys, um, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. So that, that's where the kind of comparison comes in with OG. It's that you know, in theory, this guy should be able to do that as well. You if he leans into someone and pulls up uh, from two point range, he should be able to get a shot up against pretty much anyone. Um, but you know, missed all seven of those attempts last season. Um they probably want legitimate couple dribble pull ups there's choice and floaters in there and things like that as well. So um, you know if, if he does that more this season, I'll be more of a believer in that. But again, that's not taken away from how valuable of a player he can be regardless.
1: Okay. I, I, I'm I'm with you. Um uh, but I do think ultimately it's gonna be fun. Do you uh last thing on the Raptors and then we'll move on. <sighs> Am I crazy? for thinking they are best suited, if Kawhi's healthier, you have to throw that caveat in there, to win the East this year?
0: I I, I mean, I think, just because there's so many question marks about the team, mainly to your point, the health and things like that, I'll give the Celtics
1: the nod, um, but I could totally see, see the It's either the Bucks or the Raptors for me. It still is. I think the Bucks really? are like the best dark horse. I, I, Mike Budenholzer is the best coach Giannis has ever had. Giannis, I, he's my MVP pick this year. Like, I, you had Brad Stevens at the end of that series last year just talk about, like, like what do you do with this? And, like, he, they took them to, what, seven games? Didn't it go seven in the first round? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, with no coach, by the way. Giannis almost beat the Celtics with no coach, and I understand that Gordon Hayward and Kyrie weren't there, but, like, I, I just... This team makes more sense with Brooke Lopez and Ersan Eliasoba. No Jabari Parker in the fall, where they have to try to figure out a way to um, facilitate his stuff with uh, Giannis and thinking about, like, oh, does this work on the court? Like, I, I just, I think we're going to, we're in for a big jump because without LeBron, am I crazy for just thinking that Giannis is the best player in the East now and that might be enough just to propel them out of it? And if Kawhi's healthy, then maybe that's enough to propel them out. Like, I don't think the Celtics, um, if Kawhi and, Giannis are healthy, will ever have the best player on the floor in a uh, Eastern Conference final series.
0: The only thing with the Celtics, though, is that they have so many. Um, they do. They're uh, super deep. They, they they can throw, I mean, they can just throw so many guys at guys like Kawhi Leonard, um and Giannis. Um, and I think it's easy to forget because we didn't see him last season. It is easy to forget how good Gordon Haywood is um, when he's at full health. And again, that's another one. It's like if he can get back to the player that we last saw him. Um, but if, if he is anything remotely close to the guy who was in Utah um, in his last season, you know, he, he's, he, he's a perfect guy in that system. Um, he should fit in Pusku, Brad Stevens, and everyone like that. Um, so I think, you know, the, I mean, there's questions about them too, right? You got you had Kyrie Irving, Gordon Haywood, um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all i on the floor. It's like, that's a lot of guys who all deserve sharp, all deserve to handle the ball. So how are you going to work that out? um so that that can kind of backfire in that sense i just think you know that that are probably the shortest pick in my in my mind right now to be the number one seed in the east next season um but i could totally I think be see. number one
1: seed. i'm with you there they have the most depth to survive a, a long like i just think I, I don't know actually it's either them or the bucks it's definitely not the sixers and it's definitely not the raptors but um i think it's down to the bucks and the celtics as the number one seed in the east this year
0: see that's interesting because i think that's another one. The '76s. I know they didn't have
1: like a big summer or anything like that. It um, had a disastrous summer, by the way. Can we like very briefly? Can we outline? Um, not getting LeBron, not getting Kawhi Leonard. Um, banking on Mark Fultz, uh, rebounding, uh, from everything going on there, and just banking on Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons taking another leap. And uh, also they still don't have a GM. Like that's just still not a thing. They like I I'm very. I, I I don't know. I'm selling stock on Sixers Island. Is what what's happening here? I, I'm See, not I a think, Sixers believer. But like Embiid should take a leap again next season. Asher's should feminine. he though? He played like 60 games last year. When is I mean, he? Yeah, like, yeah.
0: The, the health is always going to be concerned with him. Um, yes, it's apparently a trend in this in this podcast
1: right now. When you look, you can't talk about everything comes three, down to health. Sports is just yeah. like who's the healthiest. Yeah,
0: like <laughs> if you can't talk about the top three seeds in the East, um, you know I was t- talking about that. But I think you know Embiid is awesome. Um He could be an MVP candidate this season, depending on if he does take another step. Um, Are we sure Simmons isn't going to be better than he was last season? I think, you know, those two alone, um, you know, can carry a a team in the Eastern Conference or something like that. And I'm not going to give up on Markel Elfold. Like, there's a reason this guy was the number one pick in the draft, and I get it. So
1: much has changed since then. The shooting is such a huge concern. Huh? You're such a nice guy. You're you're so like, all in. You're still then, very optimistic on Folks. But there's a reason I this
0: guy everyone forgets like this guy was the number one pick in that draft. And it wasn't one of those uh-huh. things where it's like Anthony Bennett where it's like, oh that came out of nowhere. Like every single person went into that draft was like, Yes, Marco Fultz is gonna be the number one pick. And I think it's mm-hmm. so easy to forget about that. And sure, it's like he could come in next season, the mental stuff could take over and he might not have any confidence in his jump shot and that could just set him back all the way. But I mean he even yep. showed, like he showed flashes last season when he did play. Um, you know, being a guy who take guys off the dribble, kind of set up, get to the rim, things like that. Um, and I think if you add that to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, um, that could be a huge plus for them as well. And I think, you know, losing Marco Bellinelli and Nelson on so guys who can reliably shoot threes and space the floor for Ben Simmons from two very important positions is huge. And not being able to replace those guys could really hurt them. Um, but I, I think they
1: needed Bellinelli down the stretch. Like he was a a, yeah. a, a crucial piece to their half court offense late in games. Like that is an insane thing, but it's also like a huge red flag. It's like their half court offense in close games is terrible. We saw it against the Celtics where like Joel and B was just getting at he was being asked to like go against double teams, triple teams, and just like try and do something because Ben Simmons obviously can't do he can't shoot. So there's only so much he can do in the half court and those kind of instances. And if uh you weren't playing Bell and and it's like JJ's just running off screens and everything else. And I think he he like runs more than anybody else on the Sixers, I want to say. So he's like always running around and all that kind of stuff. But it's just it's a very tough it reminded me of the Hawks a couple years ago when they got in the playoffs where it's like, oh they're really Fun in the regular season but like come playoff time they don't have um somebody like Jason Tatum uh to kind of take over and do the stuff that you need to do in these close games. So, I don't know, I feel like the Sixers I would be super high on them if they had taken Tatum and if, like the Tatum that we saw in Boston this year was in Philadelphia because I think that's the perfect mesh between Simmons, Tatum and Embiid, but um I just think so much of their future is tied to what Markel Fultz becomes and if he doesn't become a star, then they're never going to be a Finals team. Like that's out. Like he has to become a star.
0: Sure. I mean, like, there's a reason, you know, teams get killed if they don't get a number one pick, right? Um, for good reason, because you, you can take the best player in the country coming out of college. Um, so, with that expectation, you know, he he should be, you know, as good as Tatum, if not better. Uh, he needs to kind of make that same impact on the 76ers. Um, I just give it, give it like one more year. If, if Fulk doesn't show anything this year, then maybe reevaluate, but. I mean, just based on this guy who he was coming into the NBA and how good he was in college and, and kind of the tools that he does have. Um, if he kinda if he if he remotely close to that kind of player that we thought he'd be coming to the NBA, I think that's the the six will be right there again.
1: Okay. I'm out. I would have sold uh this summer. I would have moved on. I, like I would have done everything I could to get him in that Kawhi deal. Um I, I just I don't have high hopes for a guy who had the yips. I, I don't oh. know of a lot of future Hall of Famers. That uh, suffered from this. It's a terrible story. Like I want Markel Fultz to be good because I want um, better basketball and I want more good teams and more good players. But I don't know. I'm I'm just out. I I don't. I I think best case scenario he's like a rotation guy, and if that's the case, they're screwed for the next. I mean,
0: Kawhi, Kawhi would have been perfect there, by the way. Like that's yes. the thing about Kawhi too. He would be pretty much perfect anywhere because he's just or Paul George. Do... Yeah, and those guys are very similar in that, like you know, that both fantastic all NBA defenders. Um, when they're at their best, and they can kind of do a little bit of everything on the court. So you can kind of fit them into any role because they can spot up. They can kind of play off ball, but they can also put the ball in their hands. They can run a pick and roll. They can run the occasional isolation. Um, so those guys can kind of fit in anywhere. So, I mean, that that would have been fascinating. I mean, LeBron too. It's like if LeBron had gone there, that, that would have been an awkward fit uh, with him and Simmons. But those two alone are just so dynamic, um, so powerful. And then you throw beat in there as well. Um, you know, the, the, this summer could have definitely gone much better for the Sixers. I just I'm not ready to just kind of give up on them. I think they're still going to be, you know, a top four seed in the East. Um and then maybe they make things difficult in playoffs for other teams. Um if guys in like Embiid and and Simmons kind of take that next step. Um but no, I mean that's for sure. It, it could it could have gone better for them. Um I just for them though, I like I don't know if you want to spend like twelve million dollars in Bell over the next few years if that's the case for them. Um have yeah. got a big contract or a much bigger contract than we thought you are getting so you probably don't want to tie your money up in them, um, especially with Simmons, his extension coming up and things like that. Um, so maybe the best thing for them, I don't know, is, is, is keep the books open. Maybe you get a couple guys like they did last season um, at the buyout market who can kind of contribute uh, in the playoffs. Well, they got like
1: the now, so they're in, they're in good shape. He should be all right to them, you know. Like, hey, I I'm like Mike guy kind of like, I've always yeah. liked him.
0: That's so I, fine. I, let's just, I mean, they didn't, again, like, the, the, the Raptors and the Celtics had a much I mean the Celtics didn't do anything this offseason really, but they had better off seasons than than the 76ers. Um so it's easy to kinda so count the them out. But and and the Bucks. I, I wouldn't be I mean that fourth seed I consider the Sixers, the Celtics and the Raptors to be the top three seeds in the East going into the season. Okay. Um that fourth seed is wide open. I mean, you got the Bucks. I'm not a believer in the Wizards This the is a Celtics. good
1: transition by the way. Into the Pacers. And the Pacers who, are another one, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you a believer?
0: It's um, th- this is the toughest situation to gauge with a team going from, you know, no expectations last season. Um, they make the playoffs. Not only do they make the playoffs, they push LeBron and the Cavs to the games in the first round. Victor Oladipo looks like he, he becomes an all NBA player. Um, and then kind of what do you, you know, what, what, what do you expect from the team next year? Um, there's a lot of ways. There's obviously a lot of reasons to, to kind of count them out. Um, Chris Herring wrote a great article for 538 last year, basically talking about how um, the Pacers were bucking the trend that everyone else were going. Um, they were shooting a lot of mid range pull ups, yeah. um, converting those at a pretty high rate, which might not be sustainable. Um, if those shots don't go down, maybe they shoot more threes, but they can't shoot those as well. So then the offense kind of uh, implodes. Um, but I think, you know, they, they kind of still have that same foundation. Victor Oladipo is <laughs> legit even if he's exactly the same player as he was last season, you know, it doesn't take another step in his game or anything like that. Um, that's, you know, good enough for them to make the playoffs again in the Eastern conference. Um, you add the pieces that they did around him in theory, those should be better. Uh, Doug McDermott got a lot more money than I thought he would, but he's, you know, a guy who can, you can really stress the floor. So you put that next to all the that get him more space to attack. Terry Kevin can kind of take that off some of the offensive load off of him. Um, he was awesome last year when he did play for the Grizzlies. Um, could have made a huge difference to other teams around the league had he been traded and things like that. Um, you know, Miles is another guy. He's a fascinating case. He's probably the best option right now for guys who are going to take another leap next season. Um, if he's a guy who can kind of be yeah, more of a high volume three point shooter, um, perfect pick, pick, uh, pick and pop guy with all the depots. Uh, maybe he improves defensively as well, becomes one of the best rim protects protect in the NBA. Um, I, I see there's a lot, a lot of ways that this can go. Um, but I think they're a pretty safe bets to make playoffs just because of Oladipo, um, and probably be a contender there—not necessarily a title contender—but you know, make it out the first round, maybe get into the second round, push the team just because of Depot and kind of the pieces that they, the existing pieces they do have.
1: Do you think Depot is a bona fide number one option on a top four team in the East for the next five to seven years, or do you still want to see more from his game, especially when we saw in the playoffs last year when um, the fun, like the really cool thing about the Pacers, which it was surprising for people who did not watch them is that um they ran a lot and they i don't think they had that reputation especially with nate mcmillan being kind of an old school coach who was with the sonics forever the blazers that kind of stuff like i i wonder like it was an easy way to parse uh, between whether or not someone actually watched the pacers last year it was like Victor Bo ran so much and he had so many pull up threes and he was really good at it and he was really good at just pushing the ball and pushing the pace and all that kind of stuff but i do wonder. um is he someone who can handle this kind of usage over the the long haul? Because he did, um, he got messed with in the playoffs. Like he was someone who like teams targeted and this is a targeting timer in where um, switches and everything else where it's like um, he is the only guy who could create his own shot really on that team last year. Now you have Tyreek Evans uh, coming into the fold who is, the secondary playmaker that they did not have last year. I mean, if you want to throw out Lance Stevenson, that's great, but you're wrong because he uh, did not fit that bill because Lance Stevenson was not good at basketball last year. He's a fun story, but he's still just not good. Um, Corey Joseph is a good off-ball guy. He is someone that I really like as a third guard, but Darren Collison doesn't really fit that bill either, and I think that's why I'm so fascinated to see like what happens when you kind of ease that burden um, offensively for Oladipo because he's so good at getting steals. He's very crafty, that kind of stuff, but um, I I do still have questions as to whether or not he can play at this like kind of MVP like level in the East year over year uh, with this style of play. Um, are you at least concerned with that a little bit, or do you think what we saw last year was real and that he can build off that?
0: I, I think last season was pretty real. Um, it's it's always hard to gauge with these guys because it's like he did make such a huge leap last season. Yeah. Um, that I mean it's the same thing with the paces like it kind of skews our expectations moving forward because um, if he has the same, exactly the same season you kind of look at it more negatively because it's like oh he didn't make an set uh, but he was awesome last season i mean mm-hmm. on both ends of the court um and i think you know i mean he he still put up face numbers in the playoffs and things go down but he still averaged um twenty three eight and six two and a half field, shot forty two percent from three um he was he was huge in their wins um he was also here who's great in game seven uh he put up 30, 12, and six in game seven um you know, he, I mean, I think the hope is that Tyreek Evans is the same kind of player he was last year. You know, he was a guy who, for a long time, the biggest knock on him was he couldn't shoot breeze. Um He was one of the best pull-up three-point shooters in the NBA last season. Um, mm-hmm. Put a guy like that, you bring him off the bench, he can p- kind of play next to Oladipo. Um, he can kind of have Paul in his hands down the stretch if Oladipo, if, if teams are putting their best spends on him. Um, so I think in theory, you know, that, that that makes sense. And that should kind of ease his load. Because you're right, I mean, he, he it's, it's tough. It's tough to anyone like a high-usage player carry team the entire regular season in the playoffs. Um, but I think the additions that they did make this offseason should at least kind of help ease that load for him.
1: Who's the right point guard to play next to him or the right off-ball guard? Because I do think now he is basically in that James Harden-Russell-Westbrook zone where it's like he may not play like a traditional point guard, but he is someone that um, needs the ball in his he's, hands. He's, and he's yeah, just...
0: he's the firing ball handler.
1: Yeah. So I just, yeah. I don't think Darren Collison's the right guy. I think Corey Joseph is the right guy off the bench, but I do wonder who the the best co-pilot is for him um, in the backcourt going forward. Like if there is a trade target or someone on another team that would fit um, the kind of player that he is. I it, I think it's interesting finding the right guys. I mean, Old Depot struggled with that in OKC. He wasn't the right guy to play off Russ. Um, not many guys are. And I wonder if there is like the right uh, secondary playmaker or just off-ball big guy who can uh, defend multiple positions and doesn't uh, necessarily want to be the primary ball handler. Um, I I, I just wonder what the right fit with Oldie Bill, because eventually they will have to find somebody else. Because Miles Turner, who I like a lot... um, He's never been like someone who loves to shoot and loves to score and loves to take over games. He's just not that kind of guy. I don't think he has that in him. I think he's just a really good player who can shoot when um, he wants to. He can basically guard all five positions. He is um, a good anchor at the five and he's a good traditional five um, in today's NBA. But like, I don't think he's ever going to be someone who averages like 20 and 11. I-, I just don't think that's in him. So if that's the case and you have DeMontis Sabonis, who I don't think fits with Turner long term. Do you move him? Do you think about like how do you mix and match without disrupting what made this team great last year? I think it's a fascinating conundrum because I do think they eventually need to find a way to add another star um, next to Oladipo. I know it's easier said than done, but I do wonder when you think about like guys who can help them without giving up Turner. So if you have Turner, you have Oladipo, you have Bojan who shot his best three point percentage of his career last year. You have Tyreek in the fold now to stabilize the bench, which was not good for them last year. Um, I I just, I wonder how all these pieces mesh. And like, I also don't love when teams bring back role players, Um, kind of dating back to our discussion on uh, the Sixers letting Ilya and Bellinelli go. Like, I like um, cycling in new uh, rotation guys. It's kind of like cycling relievers in baseball where it's like, you don't want to invest um and a seventh inning guy over a five-year stretch because it's so volatile And i think that's the same with uh backup guys i think you want to cycle those guys in and out like one-year deals for most of those guys and i i wonder if there is a drop-off because they brought back bojan they brought back darren Collison, Corey joseph's back a lot of the uh guy i mean they did add mcdermott and um uh evans but outside of that a lot of the same pieces are going to play for them uh this year and i wonder if that uh is another thing that they have to deal with but i I don't know i just think they're in a fascinating spot because they overachieved last year they have a star now and now they have to start thinking about who's star number two and if they think it's going to come from miles turner i think they're going to be disappointed but if miles turner is your third best player i think you're a really really good team but um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. They're going to have to be... Kevin Pritchard is going to have to work his magic again and uh, finding a way to flip some of these rotation guys for uh, the right uh, co-pilot for um, Oladipo.
0: And the interesting thing about that, too, is that uh, Miles Turner is going to get a contract extension soon. Um, you would assume, based on where he was drafted and kind of how he's played over the last few seasons, that he's going to get... Um, a, a pretty a pretty hefty extension, and
1: um, he
0: should. And, and he, you're right, he should. I mean, he, whether or not he's going to be an all-star caliber player, um, that's one thing. But I mean, he he has the potential to be a super valuable player in the NBA. You know, you look at some someone who can stretch the floor from the center position, kind of protect the rim. Um, he's versatile and things like that. Like, there, there's a lot of value having a guy like him. Um, but they're, I mean, they're probably going to be paying him, hoping that he will be the second star. And then you have a lot of money tied up in him and Victor Oladipo, and then maybe you don't have enough money to chase after another guy who might be the perfect number two or, you know, 1B or whatever it is next to Oladipo. Um, You know, this is this is why it's so hard for teams like this, because you enter last season, no expectations. You blow that out of the water, um, and suddenly a lot more is expected of you, and there's a lot more uh, things going on. So it's um, – it's, I mean, I've seen some people be very critical about their off season. Um, just because you know they they probably didn't go after the big names maybe as much as they should have or make 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 as big of a splash as people thought they would. Um, but I I think they've they've added some some good pieces. Um, and maybe, you know a lot of it depends on Miles Turner. Obviously Victor Oladipo kind of having the same kind of these needs last year, making maybe taking another step. Um, but Miles Turner is, is the big one who kind of changed the tra- trajectory of the team.
1: Yeah, I would keep a close eye on uh, Charlotte, the team that you're very familiar with because uh, Kimba is on the last year of his deal and I I I love the idea of Kimba and Oladipo. I think that's the kind of interesting dynamic. I don't think uh, Kimba is a guy who does love being the leader and this is Oladipo's team now so I wonder if he would be okay with being the secondary guy but like, I don't know, somebody like that uh, makes a lot of sense to me because they're not going to get the big fish. They're not going to get Kyrie Irving next summer. They're not going to get somebody like that but um i don't know i think there are intriguing options i mean like what if they went after they called orlando up and were like uh what about the evan fournier do you really want to keep paying him 17 million dollars for the next two years or can we bring him on he's someone that can the tall guy who can shoot threes defend multiple positions who i love i love Evan fournier um, but he's also included in my deal, uh, my dream scenario that Matt Moore approved of, by the way. So we know for certain that this is a good NBA trade is uh, Evan Fournier. And I think we've talked about this, that Evan Fournier, yeah. and Aaron Gordon to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins deal. Not going to let that dream die. But um, I don't know. I just think that Charlotte is a team that you would call if you're Indiana like, eh, we're trying to win now. Um, you've tried to win now. Did not go well. You have a bunch of bad contracts. You are paying Nick Batum $24 million for the next three years. Um, you want to get off some money uh, for some good players because Charlotte has a bunch of good players and they're a top 15 and top 15 Defensive and offensive uh, team, and it's frustrating because they had like I think they had a positive point differential last year, and they still missed the playoffs. And it's frustrating, and, and I I don't know. I, I think there are teams like that that I would target, like the mid tier stars and the mid tier teams that um are paying a lot of money to a lot of guys that just don't fit the current state of uh, their team. So I I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Baysmore in Atlanta. Maybe I I don't know. That's why they were removed with Dennis Schroeder. Uh, this off season, but I, I don't know. I think there's options, but um, I'm interested to see how Indiana does, because I think they are a team that I've penciled in for my league pass early viewing of like, OK, how does this look now that teams have had an entire off season to kind of um, just study the tape a little bit more of like, OK, this is what Debo does now yeah. because they didn't know what he was going to do going into last year because they only had seen what he did next to Russell Westbrook off the bench. And that was obviously not great. So I I wonder if teams really do adjust, and we it's a really rough year for Indiana. I'm betting on them hitting the under, but um you know they were a fun story last year, so I hope things continue to go up because it's cool when like guys break out the way Oladipo did last year, where um they were a top five lottery guy, they get bounced around a little bit, find the right place, get the right opportunity, the right role, and then they blossom. Like it's it's amazing how much that matters. But yeah, I don't know. I that's I, I want to end on a positive. Uh, message for Indiana fans because it's cool you have a star again that's nice
0: yeah that's why I think like regardless of kind of how all the other pieces uh, do this season um, I think they're in pretty good shape just because they have Victor Oladipo um, I think you know he proved last season that he is a legitimate star in the NBA um, and just having that alone I think you know is good enough for them to kind of make some noise and meet some conference you know whether that's good enough is a different story because this team kind of probably does want to They're not a title contender, but kind of compete in the Eastern Conference and make some noise there. Into the second round, push a team like the Celtics to six, seven games or whatever. Um, But I think, you know, they're in good shape regardless just because Old Depot is a stud. I mean, he proved it last season. Um, I think there's still a lot there to to believe in him and and that.
1: I would agree. Um, So the Spurs, they won 47 games last year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard played nine games. And now they have DeMar DeRozan, who I believe played 80 games last year for Toronto. Why does Vegas have their over-under at like 43.5? Like, I think that's another under-the-radar interesting thing I've been thinking about. Because are we missing something, just assuming that San Antonio is going to win 50 games, with a 80, with 80 games of DeMar DeRozan, a full season of DeJounte Murray as a starting point guard in year three. Maybe he takes a jump. And Ginobili comes back and... LaMarcus Aldridge um, is still a pretty solid tier two star and Rudy Gay is completely recovered from his Achilles tear. And he, I, I remember reading that he dropped some pounds, so he's feeling pretty good. He has a good rapport with DeMar DeRozan, like just having that kind of, Kawhi Cloud hanging over the team for a full year. Maybe that helps things too, just not having to deal with that. And everybody who's on the roster right now knows that they're going to be there for the full season. Like, I, I don't know. Where are you at with the Spurs and whether or not they are a 51 um, team this year? Because uh, the West is stacked and um, they have two tier two stars and an intriguing point guard who can't shoot into Murray. Like, where are you at with the Spurs?
0: They're, they're a super complicated team just because, I mean, like you said, Murray's not a shooter. Uh, DeMar DeRozan proved that he can shoot threes last season. He's still that efficient. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is not, even though he's a guy who, who's money from mid-range, he's not a guy who kind of stresses out the three-point line. Um, so I think, you know, for a mod, in, the, mod, in the, the way the NBA is right now, that's not a recipe for success. Um, and then you also add a new guy in DeRozan who's a high-usage player. Um, into into that kind of system and how is he going to adjust? Um, so I can see there's definitely ways that it could go wrong and why people might be more um, pessimistic about how they're going to do this season. Um, but until Greg Popovich, until his system, you know, blows up and, and doesn't work anymore and the, the Spurs struggle, like I, I'm going to believe in that, uh, winning over that, over 44 games or whatever it is and close to 50, um, just because his system has been around for so long. Um, they kind of exceed everyone's expectations every single year. Um, so I, I would go with the over on that. Um, but, you know, totally get the, the, the reasons for concern. Uh, especially when you think, you know, Kowalian didn't play last season, but Danny Green was there starting shooting guard and he's gone. Um, I'm totally blanking on the guy who started a small forward with them, Uh, who went to the Grizzlies? can not remember his name right oh, now. Uh,
1: Kyle Anderson.
0: Thank you. Um, Kyle Anderson played a, a big role in them last season. He's gone. So you
1: do have some new fresh, uh, some fresh faces there and things like that. Um but I mean they resigned Burton's the... though, my dude. I, I love oh, that guy. I've,
0: I've always I've always liked him. I've always yeah. liked him.
1: Um I thought he'd have to play more last season than he did, but um I I just
0: I'm not gonna count up this first. I'm not gonna count up Paul. Um Same. he's still got two great players to work with, you know, as, as much um as much craft as Rosen gets for, for his game and things like that. He's a legitimate all star who walks out every single night and twenty five points easy. Um, he should fit in well with with pop system. Um, you know, coach is going to let him shoot from mid range and be happy with that. Whether or not the combination of him and Aldridge gives them a top ten offense or anything like that remains to be seen. Um, but I, I think it can't be
1: worse I, than I, last year. I think they were what like twenty seventh in points per game. So like their offense sucked last year. So anything that DeRozan brings, uh, I feel like is going to be a positive because we know the defense is still going to be top ten with these guys. But like the offense is something that has to improve.
0: See, I I could see. The, the defense is tricky because, like again, it goes back to the system. Pop has a great system. He has players there who have been there who understand and kind of the continuity is there in some places. Murray was an All-NBA defender last season, so having that at point is huge. Um, but, again, they lost Danny Green. Um, mm-hmm. Quilin is not playing. or uh, well, Quilin not there anymore and things like that. So I could see a bit more of a slippage there. Um, maybe yeah. the offense doesn't get off to a good start and then suddenly they're kind of behind the eight ball, in this, and then they're, the, they're not in the West Conference playoff race, and they go play catch-up. Like, I could see that happening. I just, you know, it's just, it's popped. I, I don't want to count them out.
1: It's interesting, because Rudy Gay said something that I thought was really fascinating, is that this is a team now that just has a bunch of guys with a chip on their shoulder. Like, everybody who's going to play for them is kind of looking to prove something. Like, Patty Mills in the last year of his deal, he's trying to get paid after this year. DeJounte Murray is trying to prove that he can actually be a a top point guard in this league and that he can actually shoot. He can actually run an NBA offense that uh, is a Western Conference contender, that kind of stuff. Um, You have Rudy Gay trying to prove that I was wrong, that he can come back from an Achilles tear and just get back to what he was a couple years ago. Maybe that's something that happens. DeMar DeRozan, like we don't even really have to (laughs) to discuss why he would have a chip on his shoulder. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge building off last year, and they like Gay said, he just finds ways to – to work hard and to do what he does and destroy people in the mid range. Pau Gasol was like their primary playmaker last year. And I mean that in the way that like he had more passes than DeJounte Murray, which a little concerning. So it's, I think DeRozan should help in that regard where he will um, be like, like you said, he'll have a high usage and he'll be more of a distributor and he'll be asked to facilitate a lot more. Um, And he can do that. So I think that will help. But uh, Marco Bellinelli bouncing around, trying to get more contracts you have just up and down the list of like guys who um have a lot to prove and i think this team is kind of i could see a situation where they're all pissed off about how last year went and also really excited that they can just deal with this team and like everybody gets along the chemistry works they're all guys that um are just going to bust their ass for uh one of the last couple years of pop in san antonio i just i i think 50 wins is very reasonable and i understand it's gonna look weird and we're all gonna be like how is this happening because we're gonna watch the spurs and we're like how does this work i don't i don't understand how they're about to win this game 97 to 85 like i don't get it but they're gonna do it and it's gonna be it's gonna be marvelous because that's what greg popovich and the san antonio spurs do and i'm glad that that's gonna be the case because last year sucked and i did not like everything going on with the Spurs and you feel bad for them and pop and Buford and everybody involved. But, um, ultimately what I want is DeMar DeRozan to have an all NBA year. And I want to uh, acquire Leonard to play like an MVP in Toronto. I want both things to happen. I want both teams to be good. And, uh, I think San Antonio knows they're not going to be a contender, but I do think they think that they can win 50 games. So I don't know. I, I, I've just pounded the over and I've just thought a lot about the 43.5 over under for them as just kind of a slap in the face and just, um, one of those things that they're going to look at, and they're like, "Really, forty-three? Really?" And they're just going to kill that. So I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, something you said um, made me think. You know, Derozan's passing really didn't get the attention it deserved last season because he did start taking so many more threes, and that kind of. Yep. That, that's that's why everyone was talking about. Um, he had a great passing year last year. He averaged five point two assists a game. Um, it was a career high. Um, you know, that's that's not a ton compared to other guys, but it's a, it, it's a good amount for a guy who handles the ball that he does. Um, especially when you compare it to Kawhi Leonard who averages, I think it's like just over two assists per game in his career. Um, mm-hmm. that's probably like the one thing that's missing in his game is not, you know, the guy who's going to set up his teammates for, for, uh, for easy baskets and volume and things like that. Um, so yeah, you know, lo- losing guys who have been in the system for a long time, will help the Spurs, Um, but you know, even knowing how, the limitations in DeRozan's game, um, adding a guy like that, that they they should be able to kind of keep doing what they're doing. And and I'd be sure, I mean, I'd be, I'd be really shocked barring an injury to like DeRozan that keeps him to 50 games. And and the same for Aldridge, I'd be surprised if they didn't get the over on that.
1: I'm right there with you. So I think DeRozan's going to have a really good year. I think his assist numbers are going to be up. I think he's going to really help DeJounte Murray. Um, Just helping him develop and just taking a lot of the pressure off because DeJounte Murray was playing with like Danny Green and Manny Ginobili for stretches and Patty. They did the two point guard set, but I don't know. I think he'll be really good for them and uh, he's going to be asked to do a lot of playmaking for him, and I think that's good. So, and he's shown, he is someone that has shown he is uh, fully capable of evolving his game and he's a smart player, true pro, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know, I think we'll see, uh, even more team oriented pass first, or maybe not pass first, but just, um, another pass friendly year from DeRozan and someone just works in the scheme and it just, it all works and, uh, not works in the way that they'll beat the Warriors, but works enough to win a lot of games and maybe sneak into like a four or five seed. Um, because remember the West was like super Tight from like three to nine, like only a couple games separated those teams. So I could see that being the case again this year, and the Spurs being right there. But I, I don't know. This feels like another fifty-win, like how did this happen kind of situation. um But anyway, Scott, we did it. We're back. um Is there any? We're recording this on a Monday. Is there anything coming out uh this week that we should check out from you?
0: Actually, I got I got a question for you before we wrap up. That's Rosen being. That's cool. Okay. All right. Does Rosen make the All Star team in the West this season?
1: No. It's just firm no. Firm no. There's just okay. too much talent in the West.
0: So you you just said that they could compete for a spot in the, the like a top four seed, though. So if he mm. kind of builds on what he did last season, maybe his three-point shooting a little bit better. Maybe he continues doing that. His assists around the same. He's back to averaging like 23 points a game. And by the time All also voting, he's down there in like the fourth or fifth seed in the West, you don't think he gets it. Do you think Aldridge
1: does that instead? Is that is that is that kind of way you're going with it? No, I think if neither some, of them. I don't think the Spurs have an All Star this year. But someone's got to make that All Star team. If they're like a four or five at that point in the
0: season, someone's got to be in there.
1: I don't think so. Why? That,
0: that's how it works, though. It's like no, no matter know, what, because for them to do that, though, for them to be a top four or five seed, one of them's got to blow up, right? Like one of them's got to have. I don't
1: think so. Because I think it'd be like, like. I think. The Nuggets could have like two games. They could be like two games back from the Spurs, and it just and the them being in like the ninth seed. Like I, I don't know. I don't think. I think there's a lot more nuance to that discussion. But I mean, think about it. Like you have LeBron now in the West. So, uh, you have LeBron there. You have four Warriors. You have James Harden. Chris Paul, if he's healthy, will make it. Um, you keep going. Uh, Paul George, you got Lillard, Russell Lillard. Westbrook, Lillard, um. Let's see, who else has potential? Uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, obviously. Towns. Um, Wiggins, I don't think that's going to happen. Anthony Davis. Uh, Who else are we forgetting here? Oh, the Jazz are going to have Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, The Nuggets will have Jokic. Memphis will have Conley if he's healthy. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just going to be tough. I guess I could see DeRozan as the most likely, but I think it will be very, very close if he does make it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I don't think, I think you would have to take like the Spurs being a four or five
1: seed and him averaging like 26 points a game uh, to it make come it. It depends him versus like Gary Harris or something. Because I think Gary Harris has a sneaky shot at blowing up this year and getting into the all star conversation.
0: But I think with the, the Nuggets, though, it's similar kind of thing. If they're like a top like two or three seed, maybe you get two guys in that team. But if they're like a six or seven seed, it's probably Jokic making it and not Harris um yeah unless you know both of them are having such good individual season that like they do get recognized as old stars. um mm. usually teams in that like five to nine range or whatever they don't get two old styles but it's gonna be
1: fascinating i mean the west is loaded so yep it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting if it was Sorry. the east obviously it's, but yeah the west is just tough i, I don't know yeah. i'll think about that more Sorry, yes, I interrupted you there. Um, no. This week, no, this week going, on,
0: going back to it, uh, this week we've got Kobe stuff going on on NBA Canada, so check that out. Um, I have a thing on Tuesday coming out that's about how <laughs> how Kobe would fit if he came out of retirement um, and played on his Lakers team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go. got uh, I, I thought Can we talked about
1: very quickly his wife saying that he's happy and he's he's done with all of that and that that part of his life is over. none of that is true. Have you met your husband? You don't Can think we so? I, I, No, I can't see him coming back. I can't see him coming back if he thought he could still contribute like the idea that Kobe is happy about not playing professional basketball anymore is insane to me. Like that is what, if you know, like read, I remember reading Roland Lee's and B's book on Kobe and just everything involved him growing up and just, there are so many stories of just about like how competitive and how much basketball meant to him and how much he loved being the best and working hard and just playing basketball. I, I don't believe for a second that if he thought he could still play like 12 minutes a night and help those guys and actually play meaningful uh minutes next to LeBron and everybody else this year, uh, that he would. Not, he'd be like, No, I'm good talking to Nick Saban and Alabama on my like uh college tour and hype videos and going to games, courtside. Like, I, I don't believe that. I think maybe he does enjoy it, but the idea that he enjoys it more than uh playing professional basketball is uh very baffling to me.
0: I see the thing is, I think with him that he's fully totally happy with the career that he had in terms of you know the championships, the MVPs, and things like that. Okay. His, the ending couldn't have been any better for him scoring 60 points in his final game even though it took him something like 55 shots to get there it was the most kobe moment ever it was great um and he's just never been this kind of guy so in, in what i write about um i think the kind of path in contributing on this team is he'd have to be a better three-point shooter off of spot ups because lebron's going to dominate the ball um and then kobe could kind of be this like he was still a pretty good post-up scorer in his final season. He could still kind of score in isolation because of his mid-range pull-up. So you bring him off the second unit and give, send him into a guy who can kind of break down mismatches. Um, Kobe was never a low-usage guy, at least you know in his prime and things like that. Um, his last season, he took um, the most field goal attempts on the team per game. I think he was like fifth in the NBA in usage. Some of that was because of the team that the Lakers had. They had a very young Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, and George Clarkson um, playing most of the minutes and things like that. Kobe's never shown to be kind of this guy who, you know, especially at the latest stage of his career, um, go into like more of a role player uh, position and things like that. So, I I mean, can you see him really coming off the bench with this Lakers team, uh, even if they're in the playoffs and playing like 10, 12 minutes a game? Like, I, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't see it with him. I think he's kind of done everything that he wanted to do. And, and the last season was, was what it was. And, and he's probably happy just moving on from it
1: you use used the word happy to describe Kobe twice now in this. And um, I don't think Kobe's happy. Like the idea Content. of Kobe being happy. Yeah. I, that doesn't <laughs> seem like it's it, in his DNA either. So, um, uh, no, I, I don't think so.
0: Right. I mean, hey, maybe. If he comes out, he's yeah. like, I'm doing
1: it. We'll just do the same thing as Jordan.
0: He'll, I think if you do, ask like, Kobe please, Bryant contact, right now,
1: I don't know. I think if you ask Kobe Bryant right now if he thought he was a better player than KCP is right now, I think he would say yes.
0: I mean, yeah, of course he would. But that's
1: Kobe. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think if he was <laughs> like, uh, I'm gonna beat KCP out for his starting spot and play 12 minutes oh, right.
0: for the Lakers, I think he would do it. Can you imagine if they had like a lineup <laughs> like Rondo, Kobe, and LeBron, and then like yeah. like Michael Beasley? <laughs> oh, I did. Oh my God, the story are anyway. amazing. It would be. And the Lakers are going to be fascinating without Kobe, you know, just because there's so many different personalities on that team. And it's going to be, I I don't still quite know how they're going to mesh and everything like that. Um, I don't think anyone does I haven't really seen anyone kind of other than the Lakers laying out that plan of LeBron playing off ball more and things like that. Um, which sounds great in theory and LeBron be all at the five. It's one of those things like if LeBron does that, it's going to be incredible, but I'll kind of wait and see, um, I'll believe when I see it kind of thing, just because like, we've we've kind of gone down this road before with him, um, but maybe a new situation is what it takes. I'll just, you know, when it happens, if I see it, I'll believe it then. Uh, it would be awesome. But, well, you know, that, that's going to be fascinating to see how the, all those players mesh together.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Lakers are going to be must-see. And it's good. Basketball is better when the Lakers are must-see so that should be fun and then kcp and kevin knox at the four or five in new york maybe a lot of the big markets are going to have some fun teams oh wait uh jabari parker and chris dunn and zach levine and uh a bunch of other guys are playing in chicago and the bit the number one attendance team in in the country so the bulls are not going to be as fun so but that's another podcast and uh I'll, yeah that's another podcast me being out in the bulls and me being frustrated <laughs> with their terrible summer and them just being dumb um anyway scott Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we should all keep up with your great work at your new home on NBA.ca. Oh, we—you don't even have Belgium yet, and the Belgium guy—and we bonded over the whole Belgium tradition. There is when is NBA Belgium coming?
0: Um, to my knowledge, there are no plans for NBA Belgium, but that's maybe something you know I have to
1: work on. Okay, just tell me who I should talk to, and I'll—I'll I'll put it okay. in motion. Yeah, I'll I'll—I'll I'll let you know. I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. We'll talk again soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, I just want to remind you guys: if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second leave the show a five star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.